Amen. Well, open your Bibles tonight to John's Gospel, the fourth chapter. John's Gospel, the fourth chapter. I know it feels muggy in here. We're working on that. Hallelujah. John chapter 4. Praise God. Well, you know, like I said uh, earlier, I just really believe that uh, the things that God said to us Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning, uh, were just such, to me, they ministered to me greatly, uh, just to be reminded about my answer. Praise God, and how to get my answer, and how to put myself in a position where uh, my faith is going to be vibrant, my faith is going to be strong. You know, I believe in the faith life. I've been around this thing a little while now, and it frustrates me when I don't see my faith producing. I don't blame God about it, but I'm going to get before God if I need to, do whatever I need to to change that, to get my faith to working. And you know, the message is on meditation, the power of meditation, how to meditate the Word is such a vital key. You know, one of the things I've experienced being around, you know, fairly mature congregations uh, is that we, uh, if we have a weakness, we want to we tend to skip steps because I know that, I heard that. Oh, I know, I've heard Joshua 1.8. I've, I've heard that about meditate and think about the Scripture. Well, great, what are you doing with it? Are you actually doing it? Or do you, you know, James said, be not deceived at the hearing of the Word. What would be the deception? Well, that the hearing... Uh, is all that's necessary. Because he goes on and says, don't think that unless you're a doer of the word that you're going to receive anything from God. And so we have to be a doer of Joshua 1.8, meditate. But I want to uh, build on what I have in my heart to talk to us tonight about is to uh, take a step further on what God, the emphasis of Sunday morning, which was worship. Which was worship. It just seemed to mark me. It just seems for me personally... Uh, to be uh, an answer for some of the situations and circumstances that, that I'm walking through. And uh, praise God, we never get it all in one hearing anyway. Isn't that right? And so we just want to build on some of those things. I just urge you, if you uh, did not get a chance to be here or listen to that message, you could go to our Facebook and hit the replay button on that video or get out there and get the MP3, get the CD, and feed on it. Amen. And so you remember that she began talking Sunday morning about a wonderful minister, uh, one of the leaders and great heroes of faith in the Word of Faith movement named Reverend Norval Hayes. And uh, he lived to be 91, 92 years old and just went home to be with the Lord last year. I was not a big follower of his ministry, not because I neglected it, it's just one of those ministries I never heard a lot about or gravitated to. Um, But, uh, you know, Pastor Nancy, if you remember, rehearsed something that the Spirit of God said to him that marked him and changed his ministry from that day forward. And, of course, that was, uh, he said, the Spirit of God said to him, my children basically love me. (laughs) Basically. But they live in poverty and sickness and defeat. They don't live in heaven's blessings because they don't worship me enough. Now notice that. They don't worship me enough. Teach my people to worship me more and I will do great and mighty things for them. Wow. Praise God. Now that's not a scripture, is it? That's not a scripture. I quoted something that supposedly, and I I believe sure enough it's to be true, something the Spirit of God said to a leading minister in his day. And, uh, but it sure sounds like a scripture. Amen. And uh, we want to explore a little bit more of that tonight. Praise God. 
And so worship is going to have a part. If this statement is true, worship has a place in God being able to do great and mighty things for us. I want and need God to do great and mighty things for me. I need Him to do great and mighty things for me in ministry, for me financially. I need, if it's necessary, in terms of divine protection. If a great and mighty work needs to be worked so that I'm protected, that I'm delivered, that my kids are delivered, then I'm believing. I want God to be able to do a great and mighty work for me. (laughs) And uh, so, according to what God told Norval Hayes, If we will worship Him more, He'll be able to do more. So wouldn't uh, I I hear this in that statement. If God's not doing all you want Him to do, we have to ask ourselves, am I one of these like Him that apparently I'm not worshiping God enough? I'm not worshiping God enough. Here in John chapter 4, of course, we have this encounter with Jesus and the woman at the well, and uh, so much there that you could preach on and pull out, but I want to look, uh, of course, at the 23rd verse. Now, let's look at verse 21, read down through, we'll have a little bit of context anyway. It says, And Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour comes when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. See, back then it was all about location. Because God's presence wasn't necessarily everywhere. His presence was shut up in the tabernacle behind the veil. In the temple behind the veil, right? And so location was a big deal. You know, uh, for most Jews back then, you had to present yourself in the presence of God. That meant you have to leave where you were and get to a location. And so they're all thinking location. And this woman, being a Samaritan woman, had different idea and religious value about the place to worship. So she brought it up really as a distraction because Jesus got in her grill, got in her business about having a man in her home that she's not married to. Uh, We'll leave that alone. But she's trying to, okay, let's get off of that. Let's talk about something else. So she brought up a spiritual question. And of course, Jesus in his graciousness, he answered it for her. And in verse 22, it says, you worship, you know not what, talking about as a Samaritan. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour comes and now is. Now Jesus put that in the present tense. That that puts this happening more than 2,000 years ago according to our calendar. So for us, it's been this way for a while. Amen. What he's about to reveal about worship. The hour comes and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit And in truth. Now, here's what I want you to see God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Now, I didn't read all of verse 23. Notice it says, For the Father seeks. The Father seeks uh, for such. He seeks those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. I got to thinking about that today. God is seeking those. There's a lot of things He could have said there. Right? A lot of things He could have inserted there that would have been perfectly appropriate. He could have said, I'm seeking those who will obey Me. No doubt He is seeking that. 
Uh, he could have said, I'm seeking those that will have faith in my word. He could have said that. But here he said, the Father is seeking those who will worship Him. Those who will worship Him. God wants and expects our worship. Did you get that? God wants and expects our worship. And He's worthy of it. He's the only one worthy of it. But I was thinking about this today too. Satan wants your worship. Satan wants your worship. You remember uh, in the wilderness season, in the wilderness temptation, we know that uh, Satan no doubt came against him over those 40 days and nights in many different waves and many different attempts. But we have three recorded temptations that the Spirit of God highlighted for us in the Gospels. And the third and last one was, well, maybe it was the second one, where uh, Satan took Jesus up into a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory in a moment of time. And he said, all of this I'll give unto you, if what? If you bow down and worship me. Now, think about this. This will give us a clue about what worship is, what worship means. Did Satan just want Jesus to utter words to him? Like you're all that and you're great. No, it was more than words. He wanted his allegiance, didn't he? Satan wanted him to change teams. He wanted him to change gods. He wanted him to change. He wanted Jesus to bow, to yield himself to come under Him instead of God. And of course, uh, what I pick up from the text and the way it's written, Jesus responded the fastest and the most urgently and with the most force. That's just the way I read it. Get thee behind me, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship God and Him only shall you serve. Amen. So worship is about more than just saying words. Worship is about who are we yielded to? Who are we taking orders from? Who's got our heart? Who's got our loyalty? Who are we uh, bowing down to? And and, back over in John now, in uh, chapter 4, we see God is seeking people who will worship Him in spirit and truth. Right. If you just want to, uh, I'll read it to you, or you could flip back to Second Chronicles 16. Pastor Nancy uh, gave a casual reference to this in Clarksville during the meetings. It just got me thinking about something. Second Corinthians uh, Chronicles, Second Chronicles 16. Hallelujah. <clears throat> I don't know where your heart is. I trust it's more like mine than than what it's not. If God wants something from me, I want Him to have it. If God is seeking something from me, I want to give it to Him. My heart is to please Him. I fall short of that. But, uh, you know, I don't know that I fall short of pleasing Him all the time or even most of the time. But I'm not perfect is what I'm saying, right? Amen. But if, if God wants something from me, if He's seeking something from me, I can't, I can't say anything about you, but I can say for me, I want Him to have that from me. 
And so I was thinking about this word seeking and being reminded about this scripture. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect. Some translations say loyal toward him. Amen. So here we see the eyes of God are searching throughout the whole earth. He's looking for someone that he can show him. You know what that sounds like? Great and mighty. That he's looking for someone that he can do great and mighty things for them. See, that's his heart. That's his mind. I want to show out. I want to fight for. I want to defend. I want to be all that I am and bring all that I can to my people, to their, right, but he's, not everybody's giving him that open door, that opportunity. Notice the criteria here. He said, I'm seeking those, and again, he could have said a lot of things. Those who go to church, those who obey strictly, you know, all of these things, but that's not what he said. Notice he said, I'm seeking, my eyes are searching throughout the whole earth. What I'm looking for is your heart. I'm looking for someone whose heart is loyal to me. Now, I don't know, again, how you think about it, but could you and I, could you or I qualify for that and not worship? I, I don't think so. I think for us to be the one that God's eyes land on and say, yes, I can show myself strong on their behalf that he would find in that person one who's worshiping. Amen? One who's worshiping. So go back to John 4. Hallelujah. So I don't know, I'm asking myself anew, am I a worshiper? Am I a worshiper? Uh, and it begs the question, do I even know what worship is? Do I even know what worship? I think it'd be interesting. I'm not going to take time to do it to get your responses. What is worship? What is worship? Uh, I, I want to read you something that I was meditating about back in 1987. That's 32 years ago in June. Jesus uh, had one of those divinely granted appearances with Brother Hagen in 1987, right before his uh, July camp meeting uh, or June camp meeting, whatever month that was. And in part of this visitation was part, it just came by revelation and prayer, and part of it came by vision. And in the vision part, he was caught up and he saw the Tulsa Convention Center where they held camp meeting. And he saw Jesus at the top of that, just hanging out at the top of that roof, and he was caught up and stood by him. And then they were able to observe the upcoming camp meeting and the services and things going on. And Jesus had things to say to him that he wanted to convey to the body of Christ about praise and about worship. And I don't want to take too long with that, but he alluded to, in fact, he said, you know, I've got a great move of my spirit, see, a great and mighty thing, that I want to bring the body of Christ into, but I've blessed my people as far as they can if they don't get this thing corrected with praise and worship, then I won't be able to take them any further. See, again, what was Pastor Nancy highlighting? Uh, by highlighting what God told Norval Hayes, teach my people to worship me. Teach my people to worship me more. 
For if my people will worship me more, and that to me it means you know what you're doing. You got to know what worship is to worship and then do that more. Hallelujah. Well, then I'll be able to do great and mighty things for them. See, way back in 1987, the body of Christ was missing it in some things on the corporate level. And see, because of that, Jesus was hindered from taking the church into the fullness of that move of the Spirit. See, I think the body of Christ is way behind where we should be. Right. Way behind. And um, anyway, but I brought all that up to say is that um, was this statement uh, among many that Jesus made to Brother Hagin during that visitation. Now again, you've got to think about this is 32, 32 years removed. So you've got to think of yourself modern, present day, cutting edge, go back 32 years, 1987. Some of you weren't even born, right? Uh, I was just a kid. I was born in 72. I'm a teenager, you know. And uh, so he said, you know, uh, few of my people know anything about the deep move of my spirit. He said, some of the old time Pentecostals knew something about it. I mean, the real deep move of the Holy Ghost. Well, if in 1987 they were an old timer, see, think about how far removed we are from that now today. And then he said, a few care of the charismatics, the charismatic move had been over. That was most of the 70s, right? And it's been over. But he said to Brother Hagin, um, uh, some charismatics know a little bit about praising me, but they know nothing about true worship. And see, to me, we've regressed, not progressed, in the body of Christ from 1987. If you study that carefully, you'd find Jesus told Brother Hagin, there is a move of the Spirit that will be lost to a generation if they're not taught and led about it. And see, we just threw it off. And then when Brother Hagin left, oh my gosh, the concert style, you know, worship experience, you know, goodness. So we've got a long way to go. But my overall point was to just reiterate on the corporate level, not knowing how to really worship God and put real worship in its place has hindered the body of Christ in a great degree. Amen? How much more would that be true in our individual life? Is that right? How much more would that be true uh, with our individual life? Look at uh, Matthew 22. You're in John, but look at Matthew 22. So remember in John, Jesus said that the Father is seeking. Sounds a lot to me like 1 Chronicles. His eyes are seeking. Well, what's he seeking? He's seeking someone who will worship him. How? He described it. In spirit and in truth. See, we're so far behind. Most of our worship and our praise is just demonstrations of the flesh. We've got to learn how to worship God in spirit. Got to learn how to worship God in spirit. You know, so in Matthew 22, verse 37 and 38, a lawyer had come up to the Lord and asked him, what's the great commandment? What is the greatest commandment? And it was true then, and it is the law, the number one commandment that governs us in the new covenant. Amen? 
And notice what Jesus said in verse 37. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. So I was thinking about this today. How could we fulfill the number one commandment, the great commandment, and not worship? How, would, how are we going to fulfill this commandment? Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, or all your body, all your being, all your mind. You, couldn't you just have easily put in there, just take the word love out and put the word worship in there? Wouldn't that fit? You shall worship the Lord your God with all your heart. Now I know that when we obey, just raw, we obey His command. That's loving Him. Jesus told us that. He who obeys my commandments, it is He that loves me. So you could have put, a, obey the Lord with all your I'm not saying worship's the only one. But see, I don't think we can fulfill the one commandment that's governing us in the New Testament and neglect worship. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, so many Christians today, they, they, they practice a very self-centered Christianity. They, we live in a selfie generation, right? It's all about self. And we've incorporated that into so much of what church is. How do you structure a church service? What do the people want? What do the people want? You know, one of the top selling, I think it was the top selling for many, many years, church growth books uh, in the world said when you're wanting to pioneer a new church, go through your community with a clipboard and ask the people what they want. Ask the people what they want and then craft your service around what they want. <laughs> oh boy. No, that's not going to get us where we need to be, is it? And uh, so, going back to why aren't things working for us? We're making our confessions. We're releasing our faith. Right? We're bringing to God our, our needs, our wants, our dreams and desires. Well, when, when our approach is only, uh, when we approach God only with our want, dream, desire or need in our mouth, we're missing it. We're, we're approaching God in a self-centered way. I'm approaching you because of what I want. When is it going to be about what God wants? When's it going to be about what God wants? He's seeking who? People who will worship Him. People who will worship Him in spirit uh, and in truth. And so go over to Psalm 100 real quick. You know, sometimes, um, you know, it's fine. God's instructed us many places in the Bible to bring our requests to Him. But we shouldn't ignore our approach to God is outlined in the Scripture. When you want to approach God, the approach is defined for us already. And it's outlined for us right here in Psalm 100. In Psalm 100, praise the Lord, it says in verse 4, enter. Right? Enter. Enter how? 
enter into His gates, come on, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. He didn't say enter in with your want in your mouth. He didn't say enter in talking to Him about your problem. You're going to get to talk about your problem, but we've got to approach Him correctly. There's a way to enter. And the way to enter is not, Oh, Father, it's all about me. Help me, help me. My life's on fire. My hair's on fire. My finances are on fire. Everything's about to fall apart. Right? So our approach to God should be, Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you. What's that going to require? Before you come to Him with any new request, the, uh, the approach, the proper approach is God wants you mindful He's already done something. He's already done something. Right? That's what you're thankful for. He's already done something. He's already saved you. He's already redeemed you. He's already rescued you many times. He's already intervened on your behalf. And as you approach Him anew, He wants to hear that you know that in your mouth. Father, thank You I'm saved. Thank You I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Thank You for all the other times. Amen. So we just need to get this. We don't need to be legalistic about things. I don't, I don't, I don't practice a legalistic uh, approach to my relationship with my Father. But some things are just appropriate. Some things are just good manners. He's done so much for us. Amen. That I, I'm going to thank Him as I approach for what He's already done instead of just bring a new request to put on His desk, if you will, for consideration. Hallelujah. He said, enter into His gates with thanksgiving and come into His courts, how? Come on, with praise. With praise. With praise. Hallelujah. So, you know, if there's distance there and God's on His throne and He sees you coming... He ought to see and hear a certain mindset, a certain attitude, a certain something, something flowing out of your heart and out of your mouth as you get closer to Him. Oh, thank you, Father. Oh, I worship you, Father. God, I praise you and I thank you for all that you've done for me, for all that you are. See, that's, that's, that's going to excite the Father as you approach. Anybody ever have people that they only give you the time of day when they need something from you? You know, and even if you're the kind of person you're, you're happy to do it, it can become irritating over time when that's all, that's the only time they ever show you any regard, they ever show you any atten attention. They really didn't send you a thank you card for the last time you saved their boots a hiney out of trouble. And here they are again. You haven't seen them in the interim. A lot of people treat me that way as pastor. You know, they, they don't attend until... Man, they've come with an urgent prayer request. Lay hands on me. Where have you been? You didn't, I didn't get any, not that I need any, but I'm talking about on your side, I didn't get any report back or thanks or appreciation for the last time I laid my hands on you and you got healed or whatever it was, even though I know God did it. He uses people. Amen. Praise God. So let's keep reading this, Psalm 104. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. So if you're making notes in your Bible, you might just take note of the words. They all describe our approach to Him. Thanksgiving, praise, 
Be thankful, bless His name. Every other approach is an inappropriate approach. Amen. You know, we're all different, we're all different creatures, uh, different people, but it, it's amazing to me that I'm sensitive when I come into my house that, you know, the approach of the family matters, right? And so uh, sometimes, not picking, but sometimes I've barely got my foot in the door and my key on the key rack. And I'm getting questions or requests. Well, that just, it just lands on me wrong. Can you just hold it just a second long enough to say, Hey, Dad, it's great to see you. I'm so glad you're home. I'm so glad you're back. Now i got 25 questions. When can you? No. Amen. But it's amazing how uh, the approach... Right or wrong can set the tone. The approach right or wrong can set the tone. Right? And we need to learn people. What's the right approach? I know that there's certain settings, times, places, settings to bring up things with my, with my wife and times not to. Most of the time I learned that through painful experience. <laughs> Amen? But you know, God's the same way. He's a living being. He's a living personality. And if we take our self-centered, selfie culture, entitlement mentality into the throne room, you're not going to be received like you are hoping you'll be received. Amen? (laughs) Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, every person that I've ever met that had a real real walk with God, uh, there are certain common traits among them that I've just noticed. Number one, they are word people. They are word people. They esteem the word. They know the word. They love the word. They talk the word. They are in the word. They do their best to be doers of the word. Amen. Number two, they're people of prayer. They're people of prayer. And number three, they are worshipers. They're quick to worship. They're unashamed in their worship. Amen? Worship is a real part of their daily flow. Just of their lifestyle. It's a regular thing for me. Something good, something nice, something to happen with a checkout clerk or a waiter or something. Something nice, something good, something a little unexpected. Whatever. And I'll go, praise the Lord. Or thank you. You know, before I've recognized the presence of who I'm in. Whether they would appreciate that or not. Then I just go, well, I don't care. And I'm going to go along my... Because it's just a daily, ongoing flow of my heart. Try to be. Amen. Praise God. People who are not quick to worship have had no real glimpse of who God is. They've had no real glimpse. If you've had even, I mean, the shadow of a glimpse of who God is, he, you found out He's gooder than you thought. He's better than you thought. He's, he's awesome. He's great. He's God. He's loving. He's kind. He's everything you ever read in the Word and more than that. Yes, amen. amen. And people who are not quick to worship uh, have not yet to me caught a real glimpse of who God is, how good He is. Amen. So if you'll just seek Him, He'll reveal Himself to you. 
And you won't have a problem with worship. God reveals himself to you, you're not going to have a problem with worship. It'll just be a reaction, a response that comes out of you. Amen. So again, we want to practice and become skillful in our approach to the Father. It's not hard. Thank you. I worship you. I love you and I praise you. Amen. Hallelujah. It can't be a religious motion either. It's another thing about it. You know, God looks on the heart. And He is longing for a sincere, real, honest, transparent heart toward Him. Not polish. Nothing fake. He just needs you to be you. So when Pastor Nancy was telling the story about the Syrophoenician woman, she's a pagan woman. She's not in a Jewish culture. She's got a demonically possessed daughter and she approaches Jesus with borrowed words. Right? Thou son of David, have mercy on me. That's not her heart talking. She's being religious because she heard others say that. But when Jesus finally, through provocation, He provoked her, right? By denying her, by ignoring her, by calling her a dog, calling her a little puppy. Amen? He got, her, he got a response out of her that was authentic. And it wasn't, it wasn't wrapped in spiritual lingo, was it? It was, help me. It was a desperate help me. And when He had her sincere and honest and transparent, now he's got a foundation which he can, he can move in her life. Amen. I did a study this afternoon. I wondered how many instances in the approach. See, we're just talking about the approach. Our approach to God should be worship. Amen. Um, how many uh, of that? Well, you remember J. Iris. J. Iris is a Roman uh, leader, ruler of a synagogue. Uh, he is a Roman, I believe. And so he's got a daughter that's dying and near, near death, at the point of death. And it says he came. Now listen, he's urgently wanting to make a request. But it says the moment he got in the presence of Jesus, he fell at his feet in worship. See, he brought a request accompanied with his worship. Amen? You remember the demoniac, the madman of Gadara in Mark chapter 5? He's got no religious training, but when he sees Jesus get off the boat on the far shore, the Bible says he ran and threw himself down at the feet of Jesus and worshipped him. And he got delivered. Over and over and over, you're going to find that people who got Jesus, who was not otherwise disposed to turn toward them to meet their need, when they worshipped when they brought a need, a problem, a situation, a request, with worship, they got what they needed. They got what they needed. Amen. And so we become skillful a lot of times in the Word of Faith movement by meditating on the promise of God, building that promise within it, making our declaration, right? Coming before God, we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. But see, there's a missing ingredient oftentimes, has been in my life, maybe. Amen. I'm willing to check myself out. What about after that? What's our stance after that? It's worship. It's worship. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's go over, maybe we'll close here, over in Colossians chapter 4. 
Colossians chapter 4. I'm trying. Praise God. Thank you. The Lord did say something to me earlier in the office. He said, uh, you know, son, I had kind of, well, what I had done is I'd, I was ironing my shirt, getting ready, and, uh, but I was still kind of wanting to be in preparation mode, and I turned on a preacher preaching on the same subject, listening to them. And I just felt pressed. I'm like, no, that's not helping. I turned it off, turned it off. He said, son, put your mind on me. Keep your mind on me. When your mind is on me, you're available to me. If your mind isn't on me, you're not available to me. If I wanted to say something to you to help you to minister to someone tonight or something I wanted you to say, scripture I wanted you to reference, if your mind is on a sermon that you're listening to, you're not available to me. Keep your mind... So much of the time, why do we start off in faith but we quickly drift off into doubt? Well, because our minds are not on Him. Worship, praise, is a powerful avenue to keep our minds fixed on Him. Amen. Because we're constantly looking and checking our heart for new words uh, to describe Him. What to say next to Him. We set our gaze upon Him. And if our minds are fixed on Him, He keeps us in perfect peace. Psalm 26.3, He keeps him in perfect peace whose minds are stayed on Him. There's lots of ways to do that. Pastor Nancy talked Friday and Saturday about meditation. Meditating in the Word is a way to do that. But we have so much time, amen, for our minds to go wrong places and in wrong directions. What are we supposed to do to fill all this time so that there's not an opportunity for Doubt to creep in and fear to have its way with us and unbelief to start talking to us in our minds. Worship, worship, worship. Amen. Amen. It's not just a 15-minute time or a 30-minute time or a three-hour time. That's all good. But throughout the day, whatever you're doing, if your mind doesn't have to be occupied on a specific task, you turn your heart towards God. Father, I thank You. You're always with me. You're working on that. You're such a great God, such a faithful Father. I just so thank You, Father. You're so wonderful. You have never let me down. See, as long as your mind is on Him, see, He can talk to you. He can talk to you. He can encourage you. He could keep you out of depression. And you're not giving the enemy an opportunity to say, what about that? And what about this? And oh, didn't it? And well, look at that. You don't have time because you're occupied. You are occupied in the worship of God, practicing His presence. Amen. So much of what uh, we, have, we have let go in the modern church uh, we thought we can just throw out what those old-time Pentecostal people knew because we've got further light on how faith works. And thank God that we've got further. We don't want to throw that light away. But see, a lot, most of them, they didn't have the, the skill with faith and how to release their faith, how to stand in faith, how to work the laws of faith. But they would, like Reverend Greer would say, they would grab hold of the horns of the altar and they would pray the power down and they would just pray until God's presence came in and flooded the room and fixed everybody's situation. I was just reading Brother Hagin talking about how in some of those moves where they got reverent 
And they just worshipped God. And they worshipped God that such a holy, awesome, heavy presence began to fill the room. That there were five people there with we, that were in wheelchairs. Nobody laid hands on them. Nobody declared anything over them. They weren't doing anything without saying anything. Three of them just got stood up and walked in that presence. See, we, some of us, we've got to go back to, some of us, it's totally brand new to us. So much of what we want to happen, the signs, the wonders, the miracles, are going to happen in the midst of His manifested presence. Amen? Amen. And how are we going to usher in a stronger, right? I don't know how to describe it. Thicker, heavier manifestation of the Lord's presence. It won't just be mindlessly confessing scriptures. It's going to be worshiping Him, exalting Him, praising Him, loving Him, reverencing Him, setting our hearts on Him, giving ourselves to Him. Letting our hearts be molded by Him. Y'all getting that at all? See, He worship and praise attracts Him. It brings His presence in the room. And things will happen when He is in the room. That we're not going to have or experience any other way. Any other way. There's going to be moves of God. See, this is why Jesus is saying to the body of Christ, there is a depth of the move of my spirit that I want to bring to the body of Christ. But it's the worship issue keeping us from graduating over into that mighty move. And a genera- it's 32 years. A generation has come and gone since 1987. I think a move of the spirit has been lost to them. And we're further and further removed from people who know anything about it. So we're going to have to stir ourselves. Stir ourselves to seek God. Stir ourselves right to spend time with Him. To love Him. To worship Him. This is what, in reading some of Norval Hayes' book over the last few days, that he discovered. He said, once I started worshiping God... I found out he paid all my bills. He paid all my bills. The more I'd love and worship God, the more he'd do in my ministry. The stronger the anointing would be. The more miracles I would have. And that's just what he became known for. You know, a minister named Happy Caldwell said he had uh, uh, Brother Norval Hayes in his uh, church to preach like Pastor Nancy did in these last years of his life. And apparently, uh, Reverend Hayes, he didn't like hotel rooms. He'd rather stay in the minister's house because he loved home cooking and the, life, the home setting. And so he stayed in their guest room. Well, he would be heard in there laying on the bed and worsh- just worshiping God for hours. Worshiping God for an hour. Worshiping. Worshiping hour after hour. And then when he'd finished the meeting and, of course, left, Happy Caldwell's wife was having, I think, a relative, a lady, a sister, a cousin, somebody in to stay, and she was about to have back surgery. Devastating, just whatever, you know, the way I heard it described, this lady's back. And uh, so got a new guest, going to use the guest room, and so Happy Caldwell's wife, Miss Caldwell, was about to change the sheet. And Pastor Caldwell said, don't change those sheets. 
Now, see, we don't get weird about stuff, but here's a man who knows, who, who thinks, right? Don't, a man of God who's worshipped God has been on that, right? And so uh, they didn't say anything to the girl, but she went in and laid down, and she got up the next day, and they said, how's your back feeling? She goes, all, all, her, back, all her back trouble had left overnight. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 I'm just saying there's so much to learn and know. Amen. And, and to just begin to practice. I like cookies. I like chocolate chip cookies especially, you know. And you could put the butter in there. You could put the vanilla in there. You put the flour in there. Amen. You could put the eggs in there. But if you forget the chocolate chips... It's not a chocolate chip cookie, is it? Right? We say, Pastor, do I have to pray in tongues and meditate on the Word and confess the Scriptures? Yeah, you've got to put the butter in there and you've got to put the eggs in there and you've got to put the vanilla in there and you've got to follow all the steps. And if you miss any of the ingredients, I think, what was it, honey, that Ryan, she's really been a cookie maker lately, she substituted salt for sugar one time. Or something like that. Uh huh. Oh, she yeah, that's one thing. But another time she did. She she substituted salt for sugar. Well, she put something in. But you know, there's a reason a recipe is called a recipe. It's so much of that, so much of that. Well, I think I'll just leave that out. It's not going to be, don't do that. Just follow the instructions. Amen. Meditation has its place. Praying in tongues has its place, right? Speaking the word, confessing the scriptures, praying to the Father in the name of Jesus. But like Pastor Nate, we've got to put worship in its place. Amen. And keep worship in its place. Hallelujah. Let's worship Him more. Let's worship Him more so that God can do for you and for us great and mighty things. Great and mighty things. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. Well, let's stand up tonight.